Welcome to Seeing Beyond Risk, a podcast series from the Canadian Institute of Actuaries. I'm Chris Bivoli, Actuary, Communications and Public Affairs at the CIA. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We would like to remind you that we have plenty of past episodes, so please subscribe and catch up on some that you may have missed. We can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and your favorite podcast platform. With the increased focus on climate activities, many actuaries are thinking about how to reflect climate scenarios in their work. The Canada Pension Plan is no exception, and the Office of the Chief Actuary recently completed an exercise that modeled the impact of climate risk on the minimum contribution rates for the CPP. Joining us to discuss this work is Asia Billig, the current Chief Actuary for Canada. Thanks very much for joining us today. Thank you very much, Chris. Thank you for inviting me. So to start off, can you maybe just give us a brief summary of what the Office of the Chief Actuary does and also talk a bit about why you feel it is important to be thinking about climate change now? The Office of Chief Actuary provides a range of independent actuarial evaluation and advisory service to the federal government. This includes actuarial reports on the Canada Pension Plan, the Old Age Security Program, the Canada Students Financial Assistance Program, Employment Insurance Program and Federal Public Sector Pension and Insurance Program, including benefits provided to veterans. So you see the range is quite wide. The majority of our actuarial reports are statutory, and these reports are tabled in Parliament by the appropriate minister. Although myself as a chief actuary, I report to the superintendent, I am solely responsible for the content and actuarial opinion in the reports. In general, our work is aimed at informing parliamentarians, policymakers, and public about the financial state of programs, as well as risks that affect these programs. If you look at the span of the programs we work with, they cover almost every single Canadian over the age of 18. For example, again, the pension plan has 23 million contributors and beneficiaries, and the employment insurance program covers 20 million workers. The basis of our work is the preparation of long-term projections. For example, for the CPP, we work with the projection period of over 75 years. These projections take into account macroeconomic and demographic environments in Canada. So we develop long-term assumptions on fertility, mortality, migration, labor force participation rates, unemployment rates, wages, and many other assumptions. We also look at the global investment environment. We develop long-term capital market assumptions in respect of the assets of two investment boards with total assets under management of over three-quarter trillion dollars. As you can understand, it's hard to imagine the future without potential impacts of climate change. Many actuaries in areas such as pension plans, casualties, etc. are looking at the climate change impacts on their work. But what distinguishes our analysis is the macro nature of the programs such as the Canada Pension Plan. Climate change can affect the programs we work with through different channels, demographic, macroeconomic, and investment. Moreover, this impact will be coming from the transition to green economy, as well as from climate-related physical risks. This risk can be chronic, such as temperature change, sea level rise, etc., or acute, such as extreme weather events, such as heat waves, wildfire, floods, etc. On the demographic side, The variables that are most likely to be affected are migration, both external and internal, and mortality. On the economic side, the climate-related change in the GDP growth is a common indicator of macroeconomic climate impact. 
The challenge is to translate the GDP impacts into other variables that are relevant to the CPP projections, such as labor market, unemployment and wage growth. For example, transition into a low carbon emission economy may also affect the labor market in the near term, especially in the carbon intensive industry. Finally, impacts on investment are widely discussed and can come, for example, from potential stranded assets, investment in green assets and impact on transition. So with all this risk on the plate, we feel that this is very important to inform policymakers and stewards of these risks. And this is why we undertook our first exercise. Yeah, absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. Can you tell us how climate change has been considered in your work so far to date? Ideally, we need to incorporate climate change in our baseline projections. After all, projections are supposed to be based on the best estimate assumptions. Unfortunately, there are still too many outstanding questions due to extreme uncertainties. We never lived through such extreme changes before, and the end result will highly depend on global political and economic actions. Thus, we concentrate on scenario analysis and knowledge building. Our latest report on the Canada Pension Plan included for the first time downside climate risk scenarios. Based mostly on public information, we have developed three transition scenarios, orderly, disorderly and failed transitions. We have quantified these scenarios through the impact on GDP projections. Then GDP impacts were translated into slower productivity growth and returns on equity. This exercise has shown that the financial status of the CPP is quite sensitive to climate risks. Under both disorderly and failed transitions, we estimate that the legislative contribution rate of 9.9% would not be sufficient to sustain the CPP. Let me emphasize that the important distinction from the work done by private pension plan is that in addition to considering how climate risks are translated into investment risk, we added the labor market risks into the mix. On the other hand, it should be remembered that this is the first exercise of this type that we undertook. So this exercise is missing several things. Firstly, we need to have more granular approach to labor market risks, that is analysis of industry composition, labor market participation rate, unemployment rates, etc. We didn't address demographic impacts, that is impacts on mortality, fertility and migration. And finally, we didn't include any tipping points in our modeling. To address this shortcoming, we are actively building our climate expertise and research program. We have created a climate subject matter expert group, and this group has the vision of being at the forefront of conducting research, addressing how climate risk can impact the program under the OCA responsibility and communicating these risks to stakeholders. We also collaborate with the CIA for participation in several climate-related groups and with the International Social Security Association and the International Actuarial Association. With these two associations, we are currently preparing the paper Actuarial Considerations Around Climate-Related Risks for Social Security. We're also working on an actuarial study which will pave the way for more elaborate climate scenarios in the coming actuarial work, or even, who knows, to the reflection of climate impacts in our best estimate assumptions. So stay tuned. Okay, you mentioned the downside risk associated with climate change, but I'm just wondering, do you see any potential upside to what's happening with climate? 
I think we should be very careful when we talk about the upside of climate change. What do we mean? Upside to financial health of programs or to the world? A simple example is mortality. Increases in mortality rates due to climate are bad for people and for the world. But taking in isolation, it will reduce liability of pension programs. On the other hand, the world can undergo what was called by Club Vita a drastic detox as a result of net zero. We can reduce air pollution, increase our physical activity due to walking and cycling instead of driving, change our diet by not eating red meat, etc. All this may produce healthier population and big reduction in mortality rates. But pension plans will see the increase in liability. I think we also need to realize and to remember that several physical risks are here to stay. They will exist even if we have successful net zero transition. Finally, on a positive note, potential technological advances that will accompany the net zero transition and mitigation of extreme physical event can find application in many areas of our life and improve quality of our life. So what do you see as the actuary's role in climate risk management and can we have any impact on the outcomes? I think actuaries are well positioned in relating why the climate-related risk to the factors that affect financial viability of programs and products we work with. As much as I am interested in the developing climate-informed best estimate assumptions, I think that at the moment the biggest contribution of actuaries is coming from the scenario testing and assisting our clients with disclosures. The immediate example are the upcoming OSFI standardized climate scenario exercise, and UK requirement to include climate change scenarios as a part of pension actuarial variations. The next step for us, of course, could be incorporating climate risk into stochastic models and, of course, developing climate-informed best estimate assumptions. As I have mentioned before, it's a complicated endeavor. I strongly believe that as actuaries, we can impact the outcome. We work with institutions that are responsible for deploying billions and trillions of dollars. We need to use our risk quantification work to nudge these institutions to green investments and to greener products, and we can do it by demonstrating economic advantage of such approaches. So what recommendations would you have for actuaries that are trying to figure out how to reflect climate risk in their own practices? As actuaries, why not the climate scientists know scientists developing complex macroeconomic climate models? At the same time, to be successful in quantifying the climate risks, we need to have a good understanding of these risks. So my first advice is building knowledge. The good news is that there are more and more resources available for actors in this area. For example, as you know, the CIA has organized a series of webcasts and maintains a climate risk resource page. Some of my favorite resources is the series of paper produced by the Climate Risk Task Force of the IAA, in particular, the joint paper with the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. This paper is entitled Climate Science, a summary for actuaries. So I strongly recommend you have a look, you take a look at this paper. And this brings me to my second advice. To work with climate risks, we need to collaborate with other professionals, climate scientists, economists, investors, demographers, and Saturn. Thirdly, I suggest you start with scenario testing and start simple. The knowledge and expertise are not built overnight, 
and we do not always have financial resources to hire experts who can provide us with full-blown complex scenarios. But if we are going to wait, we may as well never start quantifying climate risk. My final advice is to think about communication. In our work, we need not only do analytical work, but also be able to explain the results to stakeholders. Climate-related risks are very complicated. So clear positioning of climate communication is very important. Okay, and final question, if you could just let us know what climate-related projects and other emerging risks are in your future plans? I have mentioned already the climate risk study that we're working on. So economic impacts of the climate-related risk are getting a lot of attention. But on the other hand, the research on demographic impacts and especially how to quantify this impact is quite limited. So we're exploring if we can do anything in this area. Another risk that interests us a lot is how the robotic technological transition and development of AI will impact labor markets. Will it change employment patterns, earning distributions, retirement behavior? So hopefully we will eventually find time and resources to look at these topics. Other risks include geopolitical risks, potential deglobalization, and how this risk can impact the global economy and investment markets. Of course, there are many more other risks that we're thinking about, but I think I will stop here. Okay, that's great. A lot of good information, and thank you very much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you very much for having me. Just a reminder that if you have ideas for a future episode or you would like to contribute to our Seeing Beyond Risk blog, We would love to hear from you. Contact information can be found in the show description. Until next time, I'm Chris Fivoli, and thank you for tuning in to Seeing Beyond Risk. 